Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome to the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler, talking money and investing. So, we talk about the process of putting something aside today for the day in the future when you just don't feel like working anymore. You want to go do something more fun. I heard some, actually some fun stories about people, things that people are thinking about doing this week. People saying, yeah, this is what I want retirement to look like. And, and it was just... It was really cool. You know, just uh, one guy listens to the show all the time. You'll know what? Hey, man, glad you're out there. Uh, so I'm going to tell your story because I loved it. Talking about getting a uh, piece of property on, um, you know, out on, on the ocean front and being able to take a sailboat down to the Caribbean. And just, you know, just the logistics of that, where it was so much fun to talk about. You know, just hearing his, you know, if I do this, and I'll be able to go over here, and then we'll be able to take the sailboat down here. You got to watch out during the winter, you know, you know, during the period of time when you got hurricanes, you know, you have to watch out where you, where you put the boat, you know, insurance, you know, insurance considerations, thinking about that. Uh, thinking about, do you own the piece of property? What do you do with the boat during the time when the hurricanes, you know, might be hitting? And, and you know, how do you make sure that you don't have a situation where you could lose it and what zones are there where you know you don't have to worry about it and it was just fun and which is his the whole idea of having this big boat with all these bedrooms on it and that's your residence during the period of time and i thought you yeah, know that's really cool I, I love hearing people's stories, you know, about vacations too. That's the other thing that's always fun, you know, hearing one somebody talking about going to a vacation and getting on the cruise ship and going between island to island to island, and other people going over to Europe and seeing all the things that they they can see over there, and I just get a kick out of it, you know, just the whole idea of just being able to get out and do what you want to do for the first time maybe ever in your life where you just have total freedom to go wherever. Now, some people are like, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to, I love what I do for work and I love continuing to do that because I feel like I'm serving humanity and, and it's just to each his own and, and everybody has a different view of things. So it's fun uh, doing what I do and being able to hear what people want to do when they have the longest vacation that they have ever had in their life. And that's what this retirement is. I mean, it's, it's the longest vacation. So the idea that we always talk about is planning for it. You know, because you would plan for a vacation. Where are we going to go the first day? Where are we going to stay? Where are we going to eat dinner? Where are we going to, where are we going to, you know, what hotels are we going to stay at? Are we going to go camping? What campsites are we going to, where, how are we going to travel from here to here to here to here? And who are we going to see? And when are we going to see it? And, you know, just packing clothes. And, and people plan like crazy for vacations. And then it's just like retirement. Oh, yeah, I'll retire someday. And they don't think a, a lot about it. And they don't do any planning. And it's why. Uh, I think that there are a lot of reasons that people don't plan. And number one amongst them is that it's just this unknown. You know, thinking about planning for sometime in the future and then, 
you know, with the financial planning world, it's it's just scary. There's just a lot of, uh, you know, you look at the tax law changes, a lot of uncertainty there. You don't know what the tax laws are going to be. You know, you don't know what's going to happen in the future regarding estate taxes. You know, Medic we we're talking to somebody about Medicaid planning uh, this week and, and some of the issues with that, uh, how to deal with that, uh, you know, get advice on financial planning because a lot of it comes from commission-based product sales. Uh, you know, the bank go in the banks and, and you know, you'll typically, oh, go, go talk to our investment department. And then you sit down and you're hearing about, you know, this annuity, that annuity, and, and you know, do you take your managed account, put it over here. Uh, he was actually the same person was just telling me a little bit about, um, you know, somebody that was actually pulling money out of an investment account. Well, where do we pull it out of? What area do we pull it out of? What part of the investment account do we pull it? Well, we've got this mutual fund that's been doing badly. Let's just pull it out of this. And it was, hey, wait a minute. Isn't the golden rule of investing buy low, sell high? Not, you know, after something done has done poorly, then we sell it? Is that selling low? Does that make any sense? And, you know, that, yeah, good point. Uh, but that is the American way. That is the investor's way. We typically do that. We break rules of investing and we think, well, this seems logical. This fund hasn't done well. Shouldn't I just be pulling money out of this fund because it hasn't done well? Well, you know, that may be the very thing that does the best going forward. You know, if we look at some of the worst years uh, for different asset categories, ah, you know, I got a, ch a chart that's right over here in front of me. You know, if it were, if I were looking at, let's say, 2002, and I'm going, oh gosh, this fund is investing in large growth stocks. Uh, it went down 12% one year, you know, 13 or you know, 9% another year, and and it's been pretty bad. You know, maybe I should just get rid of this fund. You know, it's just done bad three years in a row. I mean, that's got to be, that's got to tell you something that this fund is no good, right? Had a nine percent negative return, then and then a twelve percent negative return, then you had twenty-two percent. I mean, good grief, that's huge. Shouldn't we just get rid of it? And then you get rid of it, and next year it goes up twenty. You know, the S and P went up twenty-eight point seven percent. Then it went up to about eleven percent and four point nine. And you know, you you look at uh, let's let's use value stocks, uh, small value companies. Uh, you know, nineteen ninety, you have a negative twenty-three percent return. That small value fund's terrible. And, you know, it, it just, that's awful. And then up, up 46% the next year and up 34% the year after that and 25 the year after that. And you go, well, it seemed like a good idea at the time to get rid of it. Uh, you know, because it was, it hadn't been doing well. Well, past performance, they say in the prospectuses, right, is no guarantee of future results. It doesn't tell you what's going to happen in the future. And markets go up and they go down, they go back and forth. And that's exactly, you know, one of the things that we see people doing right now. Uh, article. It was in one of the publications. Uh, let's see, what was it? Wall Street Journal. Yeah, it was Wall Street Journal. Investors are finally making money in bonds and CDs. Be prepared to pay uh, taxes. And they were talking about over the past five weeks, investors have put uh, 91, $91.1 billion, $91 billion into money market funds. $91.1 billion into money market funds. It says the driving force, what is driving people to do this? Is it great financial planning, sitting down and really thinking through this and, and you know, really 
contemplating expected returns and, and risk tolerance and, and asset mix and what the proper asset mix is for basic time horizons that you might be investing over? No, no. Well, the second paragraph says the driving force pushing Americans back into fixed income is returns. It's returns. So what happened? You had a difficult year last year. Now this year's, you know, most I can't even think of an asset category that's not up. Uh, you know, as I'm talking about this, and and you look at last year, it wasn't that great. It was it was a difficult year. So what people started doing is pulling money out of stocks and putting it into fixed income investments just in time to miss the market upturn. <laughs> it's just great stuff. Uh, but anyway, says so, um, so these investors, they they were looking at these interest rates as CDs and going, wow, you know, interest rates are, are pretty good. Well, you know, what happens? What drives interest rates up? Well, you have a lot of different factors. But one is the increased pro prospect for inflation in the future. You know, so if we're looking at inflation prices going up, then what happens is somebody that has any kind of fixed income investment whatsoever, whether it be a CD or money market account or treasury bills or whatever, go, uh, you know, I could hang on to this money, but if there's no interest that is going to be paid, you know, let's say interest rates are super, super low and inflation is high, then I know that when I pull this money out in the future, its, it's purchasing power will be less. You know, that, that stuff will cost more. I know that something is going to be more expensive a year from now. If I'm planning on buying it, but I'm going to wait a year, but I can't go and put my money in fixed income investments and have at least it, those investments go up by the amount of price that the thing I'm thinking about buying is going to go up then I might as well buy the thing right now. And that way I don't have to worry about the price increase in the future due to inflation. Well, so what happens is to, to put a, a bit of a stop to that, because if everybody starts buying everything right now, what do you do? Well, you end up having the manufacturing costs of those things go up. Because if there's more demand for, let's say it's a car, let's just use this as an example. And car prices are going up and up and up and up and up and up. And, you know, people, their fixed income investments aren't paying them anything. Then people may go, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to, instead of waiting until next year to buy the car or the year after, I'm going to buy the car right now because if my CD is only paying 0.5%, but inflation is six, let's say, on cars, then it would be crazy because what will happen is the car is going to cost me that much more and my CD will not have gone up by that much over the next year. Hope that makes sense. So what happens is people start buying everything right now. Then all of a sudden you got to manufacture, you got to get more steel, you got to get more batteries, you got to get you know rubber for the tires, you got to get the parts for the car, and then of course you have to hire the labor to build the car. And all of a sudden what happens is instead of a six percent increase because labor costs go up and the cost of goods that we're purchasing to put in the car go up, now you have a 12% increase in the, in the price of the car. You know, so what happens is it fuels inflation even more. So what you'll have is you'll have this drive to increase interest rates. Number one, because what it does, it slows down purchasing activity, but it also gives the incentive for people to put money on the sidelines, knowing that, you know, that the car in the future that they want to buy may go up by 
you know, five percent or or whatever, but my CDs will at least get close to having the same level of increase, so that I don't end up in a worse position a year from now when I do ultimately buy the car. You know, so that's all part of it. Now, the other part, of course, that you hear an awful lot about is if you increase interest rates, then stuff costs more and people are less likely to buy it right now, like big ticket items like homes and things like that, or cars, to use that example again. You know, so what ends up happening is that it slows down the economy and then you don't have the companies purchasing the raw materials to put in the things that they're building. And then you don't have those costs in general of labor going up because you don't need all the people to build the thing right now. You, you know that the thing will be built a year from now. So you don't have that pressure on the labor prices. So hence, that is why interest rates are such an important thing. But here's what's going on. Investors are are going and dumping money into fixed income investments without really thinking. They're looking at past performance or looking at current yields and thinking, oh, well, these yields are higher than they have been. Well, what happens with inflation, remember what inflation is, prices going up. So when prices go up, what ends up happening is, is over time, this eventually typically ends up filtering into earnings of companies. You know, you look at an earnings of a company or look at your own personal earnings. Let's just use that as an example. If you have a certain level of earnings as a human and all of a sudden there's more inflation, then what you're going to do is you're going to demand a higher salary in the future. When you demand that higher salary in the future, that is helping you keep pace with inflation. Well, guess what? Companies have earnings and those earnings have to keep up with inflation as well. So what happens is their earnings go up over time. And since companies sell at a price that is commensurate with their earnings, let's say that they sell a typical company. Let's say a company might be selling for, for $10 for every dollar of earnings. And all of a sudden, it takes $2 to buy what $1 used to buy. If the ratio is going to remain 10 to 1, $10 of price for every $1 of earnings, then it ends up being 20 to 2. And what happened? My price went from 10 to 20 of my stock. So hence, what ends up happening is with these higher inflation numbers that come about, Eventually, as long as we don't get into hyperinflation or anything crazy like that, you end up getting stock prices helping you keep pace with all of this. And stock prices, you know, if you look at the 1980s when we had the greatest inflation, you had the greatest returns in, in stock markets, U.S. markets. A dollar grew to like $5 by the end of the decade of the 80s. It grew to like $8. One dollar grew to $8 in international stocks. And other asset categories did extremely well, especially in international small companies and things like that. So, you know, you look at that and go, wow, okay, so that is why we don't want to do this. Well, what's happening right here? Well, what's happening is that people aren't thinking about as well the taxes. And that's what this article is talking about. Be prepared to pay taxes. You know, so what is driving them to fixed income is the returns, but when they're not thinking of, and they had this one person being interf interviewed, a certified public accountant in uh, in Arkansas, Denman, Neil Denman is his name, and he says uh, that if you've got $2,000 of interest income and you're in a 30% tax bracket, that's an extra $600 in tax you might not have been planning on. 
Because if you have it, your money in a non-qualified account, you know, let's say a taxable account, you got to pay taxes on that interest. You can't defer it. It's not like stocks where you only pay the taxes if you sell at a gain. If the stock isn't sold and it's just held on and, and you have capital appreciation, a lot of that gain, the dividends are taxed when when earned but the, a lot of the gain comes from capital appreciation and that's not taxed until the things are sold you see so what ends up happening is you end up with a lot of taxes you're not necessarily planning on as this accountant says he says more specifically if you got a hundred thousand dollars in a money market market fund earning five percent that's five thousand dollars in interest and you got potentially fifteen hundred dollars in taxes so there's a lot of your return going up in taxes is what the point that's being made here. Tax consideration affect people in taxable accounts rather than tax deferred accounts like IRAs and 401ks. Now, IRAs and 401ks, it's tax deferred. You don't pay taxes until you pull the money back out. But then you're looking at a long, long-term investment typically with IRAs and 401ks. And fixed income investments were never really well designed for long-term investment goals. You know, if you look at history, go back to the 1920s, treasury bills, the rate of return after inflation is like less than, it's like 0.3%, 0.3%. I mean, really, 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 really bad. And, um, and then the other thing is for lower income people, if you've got, you know, your fixed income investments, these, these taxes on interest on the accounts can trigger social security taxes that you weren't planning on. So you got what we call the tax torpedo. You got the tax on the interest and you can have tax on your social security benefits. So it's a double whammy there. So something to be really, really conscious of. You know, it's not only a market timing problem and an inflation problem, but it can be a tax problem as well. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.